What is going on? Nine? Oh my god. <laughs> I have never done that before. <laughs> I hate myself. And five, four, three, two. What is going on, guys? My name is Dimitri, and welcome to the Rise Productive Podcast. In today's episode, I have a fellow small YouTuber who is doing really, really well. I'm excited to have Sam Ellie on the podcast. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm living the dream. Uh, I just stuttered my <laughs> intro right before. Um, I don't know if I'll cut it out or not. If if I do, I don't know why I'm saying it, but I don't, I don't I do that. Funny. I think I think you should keep it in. I I liked it. <laughs> that was that was uh, that was cringy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have this weird thing on my mic right now where I have a monitor going, so I hear everything twice. Um, I don't know if that uh, makes sense. Okay. Uh, because for some reason, the OBS recording studio software I use. If I don't have the monitor going, the mic doesn't record, which doesn't make sense at all, by the way. And it just has this nice echo in your head the whole time. So I've learned how to be able to speak outside of this extremely well, because when you talk without these in, I don't have an echo mm-hmm. in my head anymore. And it's it's pretty great. Life's pretty easy when you don't have your voice echoing. So, yeah, <laughs> just just a fun fact for all you people who don't know what I have to deal with this entire podcast. But honestly, okay, so I kind of have a similar experience. So I can't sing for the life of me, right? So I use this yeah. like app on my phone. So I hear myself as I'm trying to auto-tune myself. And it's like, so I, it's an echo as I'm singing. It's awful. So, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Because like, I don't have a voice. <laughs> yeah, I, I've used those apps before. There is one where if you really amp up the reverb on it, mm-hmm. there's a challenge people were doing where you try to read like, um different like passages from old plays or like shakespeare and it's Uh just hilarious like uh yeah i don't know if you are into romeo and juliet but that there was like the main meme was you try to read the um for art thou be capulet like it was hilarious because i would watch these guys attempt to do the whole thing random tangent never thought i'd start the podcast with this tangent it was fun (laughs) so (laughs) Sam, uh, let the people know a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I'm Sam. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I Right now, I'm in grad school, so I'm a PhD student in my second year. I have about two and a half more years to go, and I study food microbiology. So what that entails is like studying pathogens like um, Salmonella, Listeria, E. coli, and also spoilage bacteria that just deteriorate the quality of your food. Um, alongside that, I also work at a startup called Garbanzo's. Um, that's, I was an, I'm an operations slash marketing associate for them and I do YouTube for fun as a side hobby, you know, among all the million things I'm doing. That's awesome. Um, all right. Random question. Cause micro food, microbiology. Uh, all right. I, I don't know if I get salmonella, like I understand conceptually what it is. Don't get me wrong, but there's this <laughs> thing where people are like, don't let your hands with eggs touch things. Right. Because mm-hmm. you don't want the wrong, but then people like eat raw eggs sometimes you, you know what i'm saying uh, yeah that, yeah, that yeah. confuses me uh i don't, I don't want to like say anything wrong oh okay um so with any like pathogens there's like uh you need to get a certain dosage of it before you actually get sick okay. so uh, if, since you're a healthy individual the you more likely to not will probably not get sick but like with each um pathogen basically there's a there's a name for it. I don't have it on the top of my mind right now, but it's basically how many cells that you have to consume before you actually get sick. Um, okay, so there's but, like a unit. There's like a unit for yeah, cell. A unit. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I think you're okay. Okay. It's just interesting though, because I always I always hear it's like, well, raw eggs could have salmonella, but mm-hmm. but I've seen people just like use yeah. egg as a as a I raw mean, egg to that thing down. You also see people drink like raw milk. I wouldn't advise that. You could definitely get sick from that too. Fair, right? But right. Fair. So as long as you know what the consequences that can possibly happen, then go for it. But you know, don't go into it without knowing what it what the consequences are. All right, yeah. the Rise Productive Podcast, where you learn how to not do things that are bad for you, like don't <laughs> don't eat raw eggs or raw chicken or raw anything well i mean Ooh, vegetables is fine but yeah there see was... if somebody accidentally cooks raw chicken for you man that's that's messed up no there was like video going around like you know how there's sashimi they did yeah. raw chicken sashimi what do not do that do not do that like this doesn't make any sense here i know some people are idiots but you know i mean like the raw fish thing makes sense like like sushi, yeah. sushi's fine but like yeah yeah i know pork and chicken are like the biggest like if you have it raw yeah. it's 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 very dangerous. Gotta cook it to 165 Fahrenheit. Oh, does does being uh, in food microbiology help you know the temperatures off the top of your head, or is that just I, a cooking a cooking thing? That, that's like one of the things we learned back in undergrad as like a random class. But no, it does. You kind of learn it with food microbiology, but it's just something you kind of pick up and you just a number that sticks in your mind. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to learn how to do better with cooking in general. I'm debating on making a video at some point uh, about how to uh, make them Gordon Ramsay style scrambled eggs because I'm extremely into making Ooh, those. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've been making those for for a, a minute now, and uh, I got some some different flair I add to it that it it's it's good stuff. If you like spicy or even not, you can you can avoid it. I, I essentially put a like if you mix in uh, spices when it's cooking towards the end uh like sriracha or like a sriracha mm-hmm. mayo sort of thing gordon yeah. Ramsay does this thing where he puts creme fraiche at the end in to slow the cooking down at the end immediately mm-hmm. because, so it keeps it creamy i like put a sriracha mayo in at the very end so it does the exact same thing but the issue is a lot of people put like sriracha and eggs when they're like in the beginning of the cooking process and uh-huh. when you do that early the heat makes the chemical reactions of the spice like uh the spiciness of the sriracha like dissipate through mm-hmm. the cooking process but if you do it at the very end it just looks like it's in it because you can't see it because it's mixed in well big brain yeah nice yeah, nice it's fun it's a fun time <laughs> enough about food maybe i'll make the video maybe i won't um so you go to cornell as you've talked about a lot in the channel and i'm curious you know what are your thoughts on and being there right now as a student, I know you're in grad school and a lot of us, when we go to undergrad, we're usually happy with it when we choose, but I'm curious what your opinion is right now being in grad school and how you're feeling about the school. Because I went to Cornell as an undergrad, I feel like I'm kind of in the same routine as a grad student and I do wish that I did not go to Cornell as a grad student. I wish I did go somewhere else. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know, it's great. But it's just, I'm in the same exact building I was in as an undergrad. I mean, there are definitely pros to it, right? So I know all the professors pretty well just because I took classes with all of them and I really know all the faculty. Um, so if I had a problem, I know who to go to. But there's just something about being in a new environment that really helps, I don't know, refresh me. And I'm kind of stuck in the same rut, I feel like, now that could because I'm still at Cornell. And also the fact that Cornell is in Ithaca, not the best place just because it's in the middle of nowhere. I'm from New York City and I need things to do like all the time and 
I mean, they're nice hiking places. If you like to hike, go to Cornell. But if you're very much into the city, I would say you probably do not want to spend more than four years at Cornell. And I'm definitely going to be spending beyond four years there by the time I'm done. So not the happiest with my choice, but I'm settling with it. Yeah. Uh, one question. Is the word Ithaca a word that is commonly used or am I just my is my use of the English language just being shown as how bad it is? Ithaca is just a city in New York. Oh, OK. I was like. Man, I was like, I am. I was like, I, I, you just threw a word at me. I was like, I, I, I very, I seldom have that problem where someone just hits me with a word and I go, what, what does that mean? No, yeah. it's just like a small town that probably no one would know of okay. unless you go to Cornell. Yeah. Got it. All right. Well, that, that happens to a fair amount of people. I feel like, you know, I'm going back to the same school uh, for grad school and I felt like I kind of had to. Uh, I, I, I feel like it might be different for, you know, med school students is definitely like that doesn't happen. Usually you switch. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know if you, you've ever had any friends from Cornell who have switched med school wise. Like if you're, they were friends with them and they were in the medical uh, pre-med track and then they switched. Mm -hmm. or, oh, like their majors? Yeah, or well, no, sorry. I mean, when they were pre-med at Cornell, they finished it out mm -hmm. and then they mm -hmm. went to medical school at a different university. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's very common. Also, it's pretty common for people to switch um, to different grad schools. Just also, if you're going to academia, you do want to go to a different school. You don't necessarily want to stay at the same school. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's good to... It kind of looks like you have a little bit more diversity in your resume. And then on top of that, I know there's uh, something to be said about n newer and different networks that you get to have. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I have the exact same network, which is kind of frustrating. I mean, you get closer to that network, but you kind of want to expand out. Yeah, that, that kind of puts more pressure on you to capitalize on the people in the network, you know, yep. especially post-grad. Yeah. 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 That makes you feel like you have to find a job somewhere in, in, in that space from them. I know uh, we had this mentorship program at my school where somebody came in who was an alumni or was trying to just help out kids in general. They didn't have to be an alumni. They could have been um, in an associated school or something. And mm -hmm. he had went to Marquette. And he had went to U of Chicago. I don't go to either of those schools, by the way. Uh, but he went to U Chicago afterwards. And he told me, you know, that was probably the best choice I made. Switching um, for grad school. Booth is a good grad school in general for business. Um, but there's something to be said about how he said I had so many more opportunities just because I switched. Not, not that he was upset with how Marquette did you know, for him um, with uh, the network he had. But it definitely just opened up a lot of new horizons for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those weird topics. I, I, I know for me, going back, I was definitely thinking to myself like, well, first and foremost, do I want to go back? Because, you know, online classes are a thing now, which is great. Yeah. Uh, you guys, mm -hmm. I'm guessing, are all, uh, besides labs, you're all online probably. We're, we're hybrid. I don't know oh, nice. what the exact okay. system, but yeah. I mean, I think all classes, though, are being recorded online. So you have the option. If you just want to do everything virtual, you can do that. Mm, I see. Yeah. It's it's optional. There there might be some changes by the time this goes out, to be honest. True. Because uh, yeah. it's going to be yeah. probably like three or four weeks before this gets posted. But like everything's changing quickly with that. Uh, for me, I remember hearing about it being like hybrid, and then we eventually switched to all online. And I was like, man, what is going on? I mean... I get it, kind of. I mean, I'm supportive of making this thing go away, 
but it's just mm-hmm. crazy. It's just weird from the college experience perspective. Yeah, but if you think about it, logistics-wise, it's probably a nightmare for everyone at the college and institution. They have to figure out how this is going to work out. So, like, it might be bad as a student, but I can't imagine being on the other side and having to figure it all out. Yeah, I've been talking with some of my professors because I have a pretty good relationship with a lot of the marketing professors, and one of them I've been uh, talking to for a little while about it. She was just, I mean, she was stressed about it um, because my school was going to do hybrid and then they switched to fully online. And it Mm -hmm. was better that they ended up doing that for her because hybrid is more of a pain. uh, Yeah. Because you have to try to be able to handle both in regards to presenting it in person. Um, I know like the school was going to do this thing where they're going to, I mean, one week there, one week not. Like that, that just sounds awful as a professor. Oh, that sounds... I feel like that's also awful as a student. It is. I know. Yeah. No, I wouldn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't... I wouldn't be able to conceptualize... And, and when I tried to conceptualize this, the concept of all the students being in a room wearing masks with the professor wearing a mask who already sometimes you can't hear because they don't speak loud enough. Like, yeah. I mean, I, just, I was just like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. And the whole, like, we have to spread out thing... Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't really get it. I was I was now I understood why it was needed, but I was like, I don't know if this is just at this point we might as well just go online. I mean, honestly, it just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um and just like the whole again, the professors sometimes you just generally can't hear them and with the added mask, you're not going it's going to be so muffled that like I don't see how that will work. Um I know a lot of my courses have already downsized just because you had to do spacing. In the classes themselves so you can, there's only a limited amount of people that could enroll in that course and like one of my classes already got canceled and got moved to the springtime in hopes that you know things kind of go back to normal or um probably won't be but who knows um but yeah so i think i would prefer just virtual i don't mind just having it all virtual rather than having like a weird in between where it doesn't really work out type of mode yeah. i feel like it'd be stressed more than anything when i'd be going in person yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. It's, this is pressure of making sure you don't mess up regarding what you're supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. not even that just for us, but obviously we talked about the professor earlier, but like the professors are nervous that they're going to not be able to deliver you the right education. But on top of that, if they like are, I mean, there probably would be some professors that would be lax regarding their expectancy for you to wear masks in the room if you're distanced because a lot of people's opinions are different on it and like that yeah. could put them in jeopardy whether they know or not but they i can definitely see some of professors i've had being like eh you know just under the just under the nose yeah. yeah 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 i don't know i um i'm at least in online classes until f- mid-february at the earliest i can go back to normal mm-hmm. that's what was announced um, people are starting to move in, I think, August, mid-August for me. And then classes start officially, I think, the 2nd of September. But we have, like, all these rules, of course. So you can't get back onto campus until you do testing. And then they're going to have, frequently, you periodically get testing throughout the whole semester. So the semester ends Thanksgiving. Um, so you just have to keep on, recur- keep on getting testing if you're going to be on campus. So there's all that added layer if you decide to go back on campus and I honestly just don't want to deal with that so I'm just probably gonna not go back to campus and stay at home very fair it's obviously more financially um financially a better decision to probably stay at home too uh you know no rent I guess unless you're already paying for it I'm I'm paying rent dude oh man oh that was bad I feel bad that sucks 
Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who signed a lease um, feels bad. I signed a lease literally the end of February, so right before everything started. Okay, that is that is unfortunate. That is extremely unfortunate. I know. <sighs> and I'm guessing it's, yeah. uh, well, okay. Since it's college towny, is the rent pretty okay? The rent, so where I live, it's about 700 a month, so totally fine. Mm, okay. um, but de but definitely it goes upwards of like 2,000, depending on where you want to live. Um, if you want like nicer amenities, I just needed a bare bones because I'm usually never really in my room, so it was fine. Just a place to sleep, um, yeah. Exactly, so it was fine for me. But yeah, so I'm going to be paying 700 a month for the next couple of months without having to be there. That is unfortunate. Jeez. I, yeah. I know a lot of people are probably in that boat because schools are changing these things like left and right week after week. They, yeah. They're announcing things. And for those who were on campus and in housing, schools are allowing them to cancel it, which they usually don't. You know, that's not a thing mm -hmm. that they allow you to do without having to pay. Uh, mm -hmm. But people who are in lease agreements that eh, the landlord is probably just going to be like, no, <laughs> what, do, what, do you, what do you think I was going to say? Yes. No. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. What are you going to do? Exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking more on the school topic, I think it's important that, you know, what do you, what do you think about the importance of mental health and uh, being able to juggle that while in grad school and medical school, all those kind of things? I feel like mental health, it's definitely become more of a conversation. People are definitely having it, but I think it needs to be emphasized a lot more especially as a grad student, the transition from undergrad to grad school was awful. Uh, I mean, everyone suffers more or less from imposter syndrome. That was definitely a thing. I was like, why the heck did I get in? Why am I here? And then I was just comparing myself to like all the other grad students I saw. Um, and my mental health definitely deteriorated. Um, well, it started deteriorating once I got into Cornell and it's kind of been at a decline. And right now it's kind of steady. Um, so I would say... It's very important. I think people need to talk more about it. So it wasn't, I only started seeing my therapist maybe a year and a half ago. And honestly, my quality of life definitely has changed and improved as a result of it. If I hadn't gone and gotten a therapist, I don't think I would be in grad school right now. I think I would have definitely left a long time, like within the first couple of months, just because I was crying every single month, like since I got into grad school, just, I just don't know how to handle it. So, and the thing is, you don't really see when people have breakdowns um, when you're in grad school. So you think that, okay, you're in it alone. No one else is feeling these feelings. So just because people don't talk about it as often enough. Um, but I do realize after talking to more people, after I became more open about my mental health, I realized everyone experiences it, but they kind of just hide it. Um, it's kind of, they think it's taboo or they just want to have a I don't know, stronger exterior so that they're totally okay and you know just put up the front and I think that's really hurting us in the long run just because you're hiding behind something and so I really wish mental health was more emphasized um, I definitely I know um, at least my professor my PI um, and other um, professors within my department they have been like saying okay if you need mental health make sure to um, they would list all the services and say so they do list out like a, um, services that Cornell Health provides, but I definitely think the schools can do a lot more just because, at least in my experience at Cornell, um, if you want to see someone, you have to set up an appointment like pretty ahead of time, and that's probably not optimal. Um, sometimes you need to see someone like right away, and so 
Um, they definitely have been improving the services, but I think a lot more can be done. Yeah, I think it's a subject that's definitely brought about or brought up a lot more than usual uh, in general in the past few years, which has been good. I remember even just from an example of three NBA players, I think, did it the other year. Uh, Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan. Like just in general, what I'm trying to say is like a bunch of professional sports players said, I have anxiety, I have depression. Like mm -hmm. it was yeah. just like, yeah. whoa, these big these big superstars, these guys who are making millions of dollars a year are dealing with similar issues that a lot of people who generally seem to be in our demographic um, age group wise. Like, I feel like our age group is just more susceptible to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of lot to be said about why. Partially, it definitely is because uh, going back to the grad school thing, imposter syndrome is an interesting thing. You know, when you when you get into a good school, you think to yourself before you get there, you're probably like, Oh yeah, like I deserve it, and then you get there and you're like, I don't know why I'm here, um, mm -hmm. and that happens to a lot of people when they go from even smaller areas or they go from their high school where they're maybe towards the top of their class, and then they have to mm -hmm. deal with the the issue of everybody's me or better. Yeah, you know, that's a mental think, thing to deal with. Yeah, I mean, like with imposter syndrome, I think it's something I'm going to have to face for the rest of my life. I think most people are going to have it. But I think it's one of those things that kind of diminishes or you just learn how to cope with it and how to manage it. So I can easily get into a spiral with it if I let myself. But because I've learned these different coping mechanisms, I learned to how to control it. And I think people just have to learn how to control uh, when those feelings do come because they do come in waves and you never know when it, it will come. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the biggest time I had it. It's probably like midway through freshman year. I was like, man, I, I remember being somebody who was always getting straight A's and and I still mm -hmm. was getting some some A's I was just starting to get B's and I was like ah man I guess I guess this might be a little too tough for me I don't know even like little things like that you start getting in your own head and psyching yourself out about it mm -hmm. yeah I think it's also just learning how to set expectation because um I tend to set high expectations for myself and they're probably not the most realistic ones most of the time so when I as I try to meet them and don't meet them you know then that's where also those feelings start rushing in so just like being more reasonable with like what expectations you set for yourself. Yeah, that's that's a big thing too because we have a fair amount of problems I think with I think it might be like a two um, edged problem, right? Like the first thing is we have these high expectations and on top of that we have all these little things in our life that give us like constant gratification and then like when a big thing doesn't then give you the gratification, the weight of that feels like 30, 40, 50, 100x because you're always getting all of these little gratifications mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. So when the things that matter don't give it to you, you're like, oh my God, life's over. Yeah. I think that's also what makes grad school so hard. Just because as an undergrad, at least I personally did, I use grades as a form of external validation. I'm like, okay, I'm doing well, you know? But then come grad school, you, you take courses for the first year or so, but then after that, you don't have any more courses. So you have, so I just didn't have a form of validation and research. So as a PhD student, you're just basically constantly doing research and managing this huge project. Um, you more likely than not are not going to get a good job every single time you do a little task, you know? And so there's just those external validations. They don't really come as frequently during grad school. And I really struggled with that just because I just pride myself in getting good grades, which is like, I know it's not great. You should have your own internal validation, but just because from the just from when we were young, we've been taking standardized tests, taking some kind of, you know, testing of some sort. 
up to now, and it's only recently, maybe two years ago, where it stopped. All the testing stopped. And I'm like, I mean, I, where am I allowed to curse? Oh, well, it'll be bleeped out. So okay. it's, all it's all good. good. Where, where I'm like, shoot, I what what other forms of validation can I use? And I, I was just like actively trying to seek that uh, instead of just learning, okay, what you're doing is enough and you don't need someone else from the outside telling you all the time. So that's something I definitely struggle with and I'm still struggling with now. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do as well. I, I know I deal with that right now with um, a lot of the 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 thing about grades is when you go when you go long periods of time without like those validation points, I, I think we can both agree that like what you're going through with grad school is interesting because you said you should have more internal validation, less external mm -hmm. validation. So like it's weird. The the type of motivation you need is flipped with the type of validation you need. So, or from from what I've read, it's good to have an external form of motivation, and that means more in regards to what can you improving your own life do to help people that you love and care about, or like a group effort sort of thing. So that motivation mm -hmm. should be external, but the validation should be internal, which is which is weird that it's inverse like that. But that's that's uh, what I've heard about. I don't know if you've had any experiences of when you're trying to do it for somebody else. I feel like personally for me, I end up trying harder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, also what I do is when it comes to things like that, I kind of give myself deadlines and I kind of tell someone I give I basically tell someone so then I'm more responsible for it. So if I set my own deadlines, yes, I'll meet them. But I feel more pressure to do like even better if I tell someone else about it and then using them as like and then they'll see the work afterwards. So that's kind of what I've been doing um, just to kind of motivate myself to even work harder than I would if I if I just I don't know how to phrase it. But you know what I'm talking about? I, like, yeah, just, just being held accountable. That's definitely something I need. need. Yeah. So that's why I always when I'm doing something, I tell someone else about it just so I'm held accountable. Yeah. yeah, that's like the whole social pressure concept, but that's healthy social pressure more than anything. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There's some toxic social pressure for sure. Like, uh, you know, trying to get people to do, do well, in college especially, the, ca the casual just illegal drinking thing in America, which is interesting that that's not a problem in other uh, countries mm -hmm. university-wise, you know? Like, think about, yeah. the, think about the UK. You show up, people ask you if you want to have a drink, like, you're 18, I think you're good, or 19. And they go uh -huh. to university when they're 17 or 18. So it's really not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that social pressure is not fun. I mean, I realized, so yeah, I started drinking, you know, before whatever the legal, before 21. So before a senior, I think you're 21 and a senior in college. People were long drinking before then. And mm -hmm. I, I realized I drank because other people were drinking. And now at 24, I don't like drinking. I just don't drink. And I, when people ask me why, I'm like, I just don't like it. Um, so I realized I in the past, I definitely did a lot of things because of societal pressure. And, you know, I mean, I think it's part of, I think everyone goes through that and then they start to realize later on, okay, wait, why did I do that? And reevaluate what their decisions in the past and then, you know, just grow from that. Yeah. Um, I definitely tell people I don't like it and I don't want to. Uh, a big mm -hmm. tip for you. Well, you're probably doing it right. But for anyone watching, and I brought this up before, just tell people you don't want to. If ever they, if they're ever saying like, you should have this piece of dessert or, you know, mm -hmm. you should drink with us, whatever. It's like, eh, I'm good. I don't want to. I'm not in the mood. Like you just say that to them. They go, oh, oh, okay. But if you say I can't, 
oh, they will ride you until you get that done, until you make that happen. It's like this weird no. mind trick you can do on them. The thing is, even when I've said like, oh, I don't want to do X, Y, Z, people will question it. And I'm just like, like they're, I mean, on in your business, in a, that's what it is. I know. <laughs> it's on not your business. In the past, when, I, when I said, oh, I don't drink or like I just don't want to drink, they just started making a fuss about it. I'm just like, okay, well, this is my decision. Like, I don't know why I need, I didn't need your input. I was just telling you. But yeah, I don't know. Some people just have a problem with it. I think they're uncomfortable with it. And I mean, I'm, com I'm completely comfortable with not drinking, but they're just projecting their own insecurities onto me. And I'm just like, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, that's definitely what it is. I know when a lot of people do things like that. Uh, and the example of the like, why aren't you eating this? You should eat this. I grew up in a big Italian family. All right. And mm -hmm. I had a lot of uh, older women who sought their validation through giving us food. If yeah. you say no, that's not good for them because they want validation of them you know their showcase of love is giving us food and if you you got to eat something i'm just saying you got to you yeah. go to one of those yeah. their houses and you don't eat anything it's mm -hmm. a whole thing it's not good yeah so it's similar to probably your friends or whoever you're out with they're like well you're supposed to be part of this group you're supposed to be drinking with us like yeah i just never got that i don't know why maybe it's, maybe i'm weird maybe we're weird we just maybe maybe <laughs> I don't, i'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of feeling out of it. I think I think I like being present. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's something to be said about the the fuzzy, weird, like you're not you when you're in under the influence. Yes, I just don't like not being in control. You know, that's I it. am mm -hmm. a very yeah, that's what it is. I'm a very controlling person. I'm not afraid to admit it, and I don't like being out of control. Yeah. Very fair. Very fair. I know a lot of people probably in your same boat. Speaking of being out of control. Or in control. What's out of control sometimes is uh, that comes along with grad school and comes along with a lot of the different things that we've been talking about is uh, toxic productivity. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with this a fair amount. Um, please, please give people the insights you got on toxic productivity in your own life. Well, so my main job is basically being a PhD student. So that's, that's something I should be doing 40 hours a week. That was made abundantly clear by my PI like a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, okay. Um, but the thing is, I will procrastinate a lot. But when I procrastinate, I will do something productive because I can't, I feel like I can't procrastinate without making progress in some other project of some sort. So it may not be directly my PhD project. I'll be working maybe on something like with Grabanzas or maybe I'll working on some YouTube stuff. It's just, I never will completely be at rest no matter what I do. So when I'm watching TV, when I'm listening to music, I'm constantly like on my phone, either doing something that relates to another project. Um, so this is something that happened like maybe a week ago. I was going on a run and then I got a not notification and I was like, I just stopped everything and started responding on my phone just because I could do that work from my phone. So that it just, it's probably not the best thing, um, but I, that's, that is how I fit everything I am doing right now. So like, even when I go on a basic walk, I can't walk without listening to a podcast. Cause I'm trying to also like catch up on all the podcasts that I'm subscribed to. So there's never a point in my day where I'm completely doing nothing just cause I feel the need to always be productive. And at this point, I think it's because I'm addicted to that stress level. I'm addicted to that high productivity level, which I know leads to burnout very quickly. And believe me, I've burnt out a lot. Um, but I don't know, there's just something about that constantly 
having to be productive that's drilled into my mind. I think it was drilled from when I was younger where I just can't stop no matter what I'm doing. So I just can never relax. So that's a very fun thing about me. I just cannot relax. Yeah, I, I've had this issue probably uh, since I got into the productivity space. I'm not saying I'm always like it, but I, I do have the issue of finding what's called stoicism. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that term in the way it's been used online recently, but stoicism is essentially when you don't have input from other minds during a certain time period. So when, when you're going through time, when you're going through the situation of you got to whip out your phone to do something on, on work like that, that's some serious, like can't have stoicism, stoicism issues. I'm, I'm starting to get more and more of that problem as I, as I go along. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I run like every day and that's probably my best form of it, but mm -hmm. I'm trying to like actively find ways to be without the input of other minds, which is hard. Like even like you said on the normal walks, you're trying to catch up on the podcasts and stuff, like podcasts and stuff, but being alone with your own thoughts, I've heard might be better than doing the podcast catching up on because you're able to take your own thoughts in more and kind of figure out what they mean to you rather than just getting more input if that makes any mm -hmm. sense because we yeah we, no. we, we don't have that issue we sorry we have an issue probably is that people right now where we're just getting input without wow i flapped my hand um getting input without much of a um much of a time to just think to ourselves about it yeah i've been trying to be better about reflection and so that's something i actually implemented since i got home since i live right by the boardwalk um here so i whenever i walk on the boardwalk so that's how i end my day i just go on my walk around 7 45 8 p.m and then i finish it around 10 and those are my period of time where i'm actually like i force myself to do absolutely no work and like not look at my phone and just walk on the boardwalk and just look at the sights around me just because i know that's something i have to like start implementing into my life um like before that it used to be the only time where i am left with my thoughts ish would be when i'm with my therapist where I'm just talking about my thoughts. So I don't think once a week is good enough, like once a week for 45 minutes with a therapist, like you have to do a lot more than that. So that's why um, I definitely am a better in a better like um, headspace now that I'm back just because I do have that time to reflect about like what I did the whole rest, the rest of the day, just because I end my day with just that re um, reflection. That's a really good thing to do. I'm doing journaling for this uh, challenge of the month 30 days and i think i might mm. keep doing it i don't know um i think the, the video on it might be out by the time this comes out so who knows but the thing about it is every night for 30 minutes i started to the journaling and i had music going when i was doing it and i was like all right guy like y you're really not thinking right now you're just kind of like listening to edgy 2000s rock music and uh and then yeah i'm a big uh big my, uh, panic at the disco guy by the way oh, for people who don't it. know yeah yeah, it, yeah i'm uh the yeah. old school stuff is so good. Yeah. I I yeah. personally think their new stuff's good too. Uh, I'm just a big Panic of the Disco fan fanboy though. Um I okay. their old stuff was definitely really good. Uh, Phoebe you can't sweat out one of the best albums uh, I've ever mm -hmm. heard. Um none of the none of the words, sorry, none of the titles of those songs have anything to do with the words in the uh in the songs like the lyrics and the title just mean nothing together like mm -hmm. they have no co coinciding at all which is great so edgy so edgy 
<laughs> I don't know if you like My Chemical Romance or anything like that. Too, oh but. my God, that's like throwback yeah. to middle school days. I yeah. love them back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I still sometimes bump to that because why not? Because it's edgy. Wait, what happened to them? Do we know? I don't know. Do you know? Uh, they broke up like a couple of years ago. They're supposed to come back. Okay. They they say they're gonna maybe get back together. Yeah. Okay. Need more edgy music in my life. Does Green Day wow. still make music? Ooh. Wow, Boulevard of Broken Dreams was like a my jam oh, back in the different. day. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't heard that artist in so long. Wow. Do you, have you, you've heard Wake Me Up When September Ends, right? Oh, yes. I, uh, I remember back in middle school, I made a stupid middle, like music video to that song. I, I don't know where that video is right now, but I, I made the music video to that song. I think they're, I think uh, Billy Joe Armstrong talked about it. And I, I, heard, I saw like, you never have that situation where YouTube just gives you weird suggestions and you're like, I have to click on this. Yes, yes, okay. yes. The Howard Schoenstow just gets recommended to me now on YouTube. Don't know why. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Howard Stern has a, has a show on YouTube. Didn't know. Uh, and I got one with Green Day and he talked about how Billy Joe Armstrong, the singer of the band, talked about how Wake Me Up When September Ends was his response to his mom after his dad had passed away when he was like 10 and he had just like stayed in his room for weeks and she's like mm -hmm. get out of here like you gotta like get up and live life again and he goes wake me up mm -hmm. when september ends and i'm like yo oh. he made that song like 20 years later or whatever it was or 15 years later i'm like that's uh -huh. that's some some nice closure and a lot of people probably wow. don't know that weird fact yeah, yeah. Huh. edgy music guys check yeah. it out it's cool if you ever want to just have the feels of like you're 14 and edgy and like listening to people sing about things that don't really make sense just you know check out any of those bands we mentioned they're great all right sorry getting back to what we we're talking about um with with all this issues of toxic productivity i am personally having phone resentment um we talked a little bit about this beforehand but uh, i I, yeah. I i hate my phone i can't even get away from it when i'm recording it's what's recording me right now i just yeah. can't, i can't stand it i hate my phone to no end ever since youtube was a thing I mean, like before that, I wasn't using my phone as much, but because when you're on YouTube, you have to be in all these different outlets. You have to be on Instagram, well, and YouTube notifications. Like there's just so much that comes with it. I don't want to touch my phone ever, like ever. So I learned to turn off my notifications because that just would drive me bonkers. But even so, you still have to go and interact with other people on Instagram, interact with people on YouTube. And that's a lot of engagement, right? And that could be a couple hours per day and that adds up and i just can't i just don't want to be near my phone anymore like even receiving the basic text from a friend i don't want to look at it when i see any number beyond if i just see a number next to like any icon on my app i'm just like oh no, no. what is this oh, i don't want to deal with this like i used to be okay with it i used to be like oh wow someone wants to text me oh oh wow like i'm needed somewhere now i don't want to be needed i don't want people to talk to me anymore but it comes with the job, so you just have to deal with it, yeah. You know, when you get to a certain point, though, it might not have to because have you heard the fact that Ed Sheeran doesn't have a phone? I heard that, yes. Yes, I did. That's yeah. awesome. I know. Like, what a legend. But, you see, I realize I do use my phone for a lot of things. Like, Google Maps, I need it because I constantly get lost, you know? Even just simple Googling things, just because like random questions pop into my head and I just want to know the answer like right away. That's another thing I have to work on. Patience. I'd, I'd have zero to no patience. So I need to know things right away. So just things like that, I know I need my phone for. So I, 
cell phone definitely a great tool but in terms of social media i don't think i just don't like it i i just like the social media aspect of the phone yeah yeah and, and that probably causes a lot of issues with what i was talking about with stoicism earlier yeah because yeah. you can't ever be alone when the phone's there yeah. even just simple things as putting your phone across the room putting mm -hmm. your phone across the room even if you have music in i mean i got flex pods now which helps wireless headphones or whatever but like i can just put my phone across the room listen to the, all the edgy 2000s music i want and not have to do anything but do this on the airpods if i want to skip songs and mm -hmm. and that doesn't lead me to picking up and being like oh let me check youtube studio for the few more views i got or the few more mm -hmm. likes or whatever or check if somebody liked a new post i did on instagram or something like there's just weird problems now that we have that people just didn't have to deal with before. Yeah, for sure. I mean, now I still keep my phone next to me when I work. It's an awful distraction, but sometimes you do need to need a distraction. You can't constantly be working. There are definitely periods of time where I just go through maybe three hours of work and I just don't do anything except concentrate on it. But sometimes that distraction is a nice distraction, but it isn't when you're kind of, so I have a personal account as well as one for YouTube, you know, so a more public facing one. So I have a private account and a public facing one. At this point, I don't even want to touch my private account just because I have to interact with my public one so much. So I think social media has been ruined because of this whole YouTube thing. But and that's a, um, but I think it's a necessary evil. So, yeah, yeah. it's a necessary evil to a certain point, probably, because when once the algorithm picks up in some regard which it will probably um for for anybody who tries hard enough at it for long enough and makes yeah. quality videos it, it will pick up then there'll be a point where like you could probably make enough money to just pay someone like 12 bucks an hour to do it to like do oh. all the responding and stuff the, the secret is i personally don't have the time to do everything so my sister she manages my instagram um and other uh. social media the only thing i do is youtube editing and youtube comments so i do that but everything else, Instagram, she manages. I, because because I'm managing the Instagram account of the startup I work for. So like, there's only so many things I can manage and do well on. So I knew that that was some a responsibility I had to let go of. So my sister, she has her own thing going on, but she does my stuff. She helps me out um, on the side. So I thankfully have her to do my social media because otherwise I don't know how I would do it all. And even she, she only does it like, she doesn't do it that much, but she hates her phone now because she has to deal with it. My side of like social media. So I think anyone that gets into social media, they'll realize they're gonna you're gonna hate your phone. Yeah. You're gonna hate your phone because there's just so many different things and areas people can pull from. Because it's not just Instagram, it's not just YouTube. I mean, LinkedIn. Oh, I gotta get too many DMs now. I get too many do DMs. Do you now. really? It's okay. annoying. Yeah. It, I, yeah okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Wait, no, I'm not gonna say it's annoying. Don't stop. I'm not okay. It's not, it's, it's not annoying. What's annoying is my own lack of time to be able to respond to people with the right amount of effort that I want to give them. That's a better mm -hmm. way to articulate my thought. Yeah. There. So I'm not going to say what they're doing is annoying. What I can't do is annoying. Because yeah. what I can't do is take time out of my day and try to give a great response or have those meaningful interactions with people in DMs as much anymore. Or that like I used to have and I used to honestly like a lot because I'm not someone who gets texted a crazy amount, right? Um, Me neither. Honest. Yeah. And now that I have the DMs and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't envy those people who 
had an unreasonable amount of text back in high school or whatever because I can't give these people the amount of time I want to because I have all this stuff going on. Like on LinkedIn and Instagram, actually a better example for right now would be Instagram. I had a buddy of mine who I hadn't talked to in a while um, back from when I played World of Warcraft all the time. Like some of those people ended up becoming actual friends and I just fell out of touch with one of them. And he asked me how I was doing and I said, I'm doing great, exclamation point. He's like, really? That, that's it? Like, you know, I'm like, oh man, I would have had like a 20 minute text conversation with you before. But like even yeah. instinctually now, I'm just like, I'm doing great. I don't want to keep talking yeah. and I do like I want to have a phone call with you or something but mm-hmm. I I just I can't deal with like I'm not gonna lie this is gonna sound sad but I was commenting so much YouTube video wise and DM wise on my phone like I had an issue where I was having trouble grabbing things for a couple of days I got a whatever that uh, um, cell phone thumb thing is called oh I know what you're talking about yes I know exactly what you're talking about yeah I literally had to make a, a choice to type more than type like on my phone because it was just causing issues with my thumb and then like three days later it went away but i was like man this is actually an issue if i if i don't like Mm -hmm. keep it in check yeah no i mean yeah that's definitely one thing i hate about the dm so even though my sister controls like most of the social media i still control the dms just because she doesn't know the people i actually know the people but as a result it takes me a long time to get back to people which i feel bad about but also i need to prioritize my time so Yes, there are people I fall out of touch with and I do want to have a conversation, but I can't really have that conversation every day, every day, all the time. So what I do, I just do like mini video vlogs and I'll just send it to them like every week or so, like once a week and then just updating them about what I'm doing. Um, and they send one back. So like, I think I'm at a point where a lot of my friends, at least they realize like, okay, I'm juggling a lot. So they are very understanding about that. And even in my DMs with other YouTubers, I think they've also... I think they also know and understand, okay, you're getting a lot of DMs. You're probably not going to respond um, right away. And they've been very understanding about that. The only issue I've been running into is just people asking to do collaborations. I don't have time to do like to say yes to everyone. I've learned, okay, I have to say no and or just have to postpone it just because I have other things going on. YouTube is not my priority. Um, so I can't just like take out time just to do YouTube stuff in addition to like uploading and editing my for own, your own videos. channel yeah for your own channel. yeah exactly so that's something i definitely have to say no to more than i would like but it's just you have to say no to something sometimes and yeah and it's it's a thing that people might have to understand of they might say yeah more if maybe you put some more effort into it i don't know i'm 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 doing my best to, like when I reached out to you and I already commented on a lot of your videos, I'd already like try to interact with you a lot. We didn't act, mm-hmm. interacted a lot externally from just like actual just comment or outside of mm-hmm. just commenting. And I think doing that and then the mutual understanding of we have similar people who watch our videos and it would be a good collaboration. It's kind of hard when people who you're not even aware of just like cold mm-hmm. DM you and are like, hey, you want to collab? And I'm like, I barely have i don't yeah who who, who, i don't recognize your name like who are you you didn't give me a formal introduction i don't think that's not the right way to ask for a collab and even from the back end so when i'm so as on grabanza's account there's so many influencers that were like hey i'm interested in are you interested in a paid partnership or hey i would love to collab with you that's not how you should reach out to companies as a influencer or as just like whoever you should either provide a media kit. You should say how what value can you bring to the other company. You can't. It can't just be a one way street. So I think that's something 
a lot of people are not realizing, especially even when they're collabing. Oh, oh, do you have a similar audience? Do you have X, Y, and Z? Like, why do why do I why should I collab with you? Basically, um, they're just selling themselves, and that's like a downfall that I think many people have. Yeah, because I've had people DM me, and first of all, going back into the like not having time for it, just before we get into the other thing, like I I just straight up have to tell people like please wait or um we'll see i i can't give direct answers because i don't like saying no per se to some of them because they have been really great supportive of the channel and that sort mm -hmm. of thing and and i just have to try to juggle my time best i can because there are a lot of external things going out of youtube that i don't really bring up um regarding mm -hmm. like life and school and and i'm trying to like make a million videos for when i go back um, yeah but I agree with you so much on on like the weird way that people go about asking for for these collabs. I'm like, or or when people are giving advice sometimes on like how to get a sponsorship and stuff like that. I sometimes don't think the the advice is that um, is that great. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't feel. I'm not feeling what they're. I'm not feeling what they're what they're giving out. I I don't know about you, but when I've seen examples of these things i'm like i don't think people in the real business world act like this i've I worked a job before and mm -hmm. i just people don't talk like that yeah no i've had to reach out to people like as my job like um so i mean before bonzo's we're reaching out to a registered dietitian there's like cool. a there's like copy you have to write right before you send out a message and it's kind of standard and then you kind of change it depending on who you're reaching out to and yeah, there's a an, there's appropriate way to reach out to people and to get these sponsorships and to and what yeah I've been watching videos about how to get it too and I'm just like I don't that's not how you do it just because I had been on the other end so I do know how you do it so yeah 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 it's it's definitely an issue I I think people making content in general like there there are times when maybe coming from a, a place of authority is a good thing, but sometimes I feel like it's mm -hmm. better to talk about the experience more than anything. Um, yeah. or like your, yeah. your progress through, like for me, I, I originally came at a lot of videos with the authority approach for like productivity and stuff. And I said, well, you're not perfect. You never should claim to be perfect at productivity or whatever. So you should probably come mm -hmm. for it more of the approach of I've tried this out. It's really helped me a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably, have a similar experience with the experience thing because you make um you make dating videos which is interesting to me um yes i do yes yeah so yeah so i make i start out my dating kind of videos with just dates i literally just would record my date and edit it and put it online of course with the other the date's permission Same, of course yeah. i asked i asked for consent every single video just making sure that people were clear about it but so start out with that and then I started also making more sit down dating advice and I'm coming from my own experience. Like I am no dating expert per se, but I do have like a lot of experience in the dating world. Um, so I was just, that's what I do when I make those dating advice videos. I just share my own experiences. So I'll give like X, Y, and Z tip. And then with those tips, I'll back it up with my own personal anecdote. So, um, I don't claim to be an expert. I never, and all my videos are pretty fun and lighthearted. So, um, but people do come to me and think of me as like the dating expert or, and I have like received like DMs like, oh, I have X, like they will give me a paragraph of what they're going through, like their, whatever their love relationship issue is and they're, they want advice. And I'm like, I can give advice, but like, I like, don't take my advice. Like, 
take my advice with a grain of salt, you know? I'm just one opinion of many opinions you can be getting. So, but people I think have started to think of me more of like the dating expert. So I don't know how I feel about that just because I know I'm not, but it's, I guess it's, I don't know. It's just something that comes with it just because I have made so many videos about dating. Yeah, it's like a double-edged sword. Either people will be overly into what you're saying as a person who's like making videos on dating. They'll be like, oh, this person knows exactly what they're talking about. Or some people are like, you don't know what you're talking about at all. And that's the issue when you make videos about anything. Um, like yeah, people yeah. take your opinion way too seriously. When they don't yeah. understand, it's just all the difference between you and somebody else is you're voicing your opinions on dating on the internet and the other person isn't yeah that's it yeah yeah exactly there's really not much more to it than you're just being extroverted more and then you are open to criticism while the other person has their own thoughts and the only criticism that they could have would be the comment they put out or even just saying it in person to other people like they don't understand how that that really works yeah and also like most things are not black and white like, so I think people also fail to realize that there's definitely gray area. There's like, so for example, if I gave like six tips on like how to realize you're in a friend zone or whatever, like that was probably, I think that was one of my videos. Those are not like the only six tips and people, I, people just have to get out of that black and white mentality and think what someone says is just exactly to T um, and nothing else. And you can't really deter from it. I think that's something else um, people probably struggle with. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then with you, I know we were talking about this beforehand. You know, it's hard when you kind of pigeonhole yourself into one type of content. And yeah. I know for me, I'm like productivity guy. And I'm like, man, yeah. I, I'll be waking up at I'll be waking up at whatever time it is. And if I decide I want to sleep in or something for a day or for like half an hour, an hour, I'm like, oh, man, people are going to think I'm not productive. And then I, then you're like, wait, what, is it? What, what are you doing to yourself? man? You slept till mm-hmm. 630. Like, woof. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So late. No, for sure. But because I've been doing so many dating videos, it kind of puts pressure on me to go on more dates. Just because, like, at some point, I'm going to run out of stories. Because, like, yes, I've gone on many dates. But, like, I there's only so many times you can repeat the same story. So there's that added pressure. Okay, Sam, you have to go on dates. So then it kind of feels more forced and natural. Like, yes, naturally, I would go on however, how many dates. Um, But... Now I feel like I need to do it as part of just having content. And I don't think that's a great intention to go into the dating world with, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to date someone just to have content. That's a terrible mindset. Like, so there's definitely that that comes with it and that added pressure. Cause then I'm like, okay, if people only want me for that dating stuff, so I can't, I feel like I can't not go on a date, but, and sometimes I just generally don't feel like going on one, but I feel like I should. So there's just that that's definitely that's definitely something I'm wrestling with. Yeah, um, and the definitely the definite issue is at the start of making content, people care more about what you have to say um, than what what y- about you like. And then in a couple, mm-hmm. but I'm like you know, in a fair amount of time, people will start caring about you more and more. It's just that's not like your total mm-hmm. amount of your audience at this point, right? And that would kind yeah. of be shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so to yeah. say about like keeping people engaged with your videos, if you just pivoted on whatever you're interested in, which kind of stinks mm-hmm. if you think about it. Because for me, yeah, big sports guy, love sports, could talk about about it all day, but I'd need to make an entirely separate channel in order to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's also like another negative thing that come that has come out of like doing gaming videos is less people want to date me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because 
they have the potential of being featured on my channel. By featured, I mean like they may potentially be a story on my channel. That's like if they're worth. The thing is, I never give names of anyone I've gone on dates with. Never. Unless they want to be revealed. Usually never. Um, but they just don't want that potential to be there. But then that's also assuming that like, usually when I do share a dating story, it's in a negative light. It's because they've done something bad or something like that's probably distasteful. So that's also like putting a subject that they'll eventually do something that will probably irk me that will where I'll have to share that story. So I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing because definitely people have canceled on dates on me when they realize that I have a YouTube channel. Um, at first it definitely bugged me. I'm like, oh no, should I just hide the fact that I do YouTube? But then I realized like you shouldn't have to hide a part of yourself in order to like appease someone else. Um, so I am pretty open that I do YouTube and make that pretty clear. And if they're not okay with it, then that just means they're not my person and I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Did you make a Taylor Swift parody, by the way? Did you? I have not yet. I thought you, you I, made I'm a, what, what songs have you done it on? Um, cause I, I, I have a Taylor have... Swift comment I want to make. I have a TGIF uh, Katy Perry and yep. I forgot one of my other songs. Um, it was another song back in the lower 2000s. Kesha but I... maybe? Kesha, yes, uh, yes, Kesha. I was just thinking okay. about yeah. is if you had done a Taylor Swift one, that would have been a pretty perfect uh, parallel because you're making videos only in a negative light and I don't have any <laughs> issue with Taylor Swift. I'm just saying like she, when she makes an album, am I am I wrong? Like when she makes an album about... You're totally right. You're, yeah. It's generally speaking about a... It's her creative outlet to talk about a negative thing in her life and that's totally fine, whatever. But I'm just yeah. saying like that that could be the perception maybe from the guy who's coming up there. They don't want to be like, I don't yes, want to get okay. video Taylor Swifted. That that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I understand if I was like the other party, if I found out, okay, someone else does it, maybe I'll be like very hesitant. Um, but yeah. 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 I was talking to my buddy, uh, even um, Vince, um, who I'm sure you know, Vince Liu. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he said maybe his girlfriend doesn't want to be in videos. I think mine does. Um We'll we'll have to figure we'll have to figure that out at some point yeah yeah but um it's just like even even an owner like relationships you have you know you got to figure out whether the person's okay with it um well mm -hmm. like if you're in something that's been a while like yeah. and you start YouTube it's probably better yeah. though than than the other way around right mm -hmm. yeah because you don't I feel like there's always a mild concern as to whether say you end up you end up internet famous. You end up being the dating the dating guru online. Um, okay. Yeah. Could you imagine though, like guys being like trying to maybe date you because they'd get a lot of attention? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that would probably not be great. I mean, thankfully now I don't have to deal with that. But yeah, I could see why that would be something to struggle with, and and even just making friends, like whether or not they're authentic or not. Yeah. Whether they want to gain something out of you. Um, yeah. I definitely would recommend if you're going to start a channel with the intentions of ever reaching new heights that you never thought you could. Make sure you have a good friend group, good family, and that you, mm -hmm. you know where everyone yeah. stands beforehand so that you you notice any switches in the way they act that made any yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. hopefully that... Hopefully things work out that the thing is you could end up pivoting at some point because you are early enough on right and it could mm -hmm. it could be something where you could change the type of videos you're going to make moving forward yeah yeah yeah
I, I probably won't. I'll probably be a productivity guy till the end of time. You know. I this yeah, I probably won't be doing dating forever. I'll probably definitely add things, other things, like maybe probably add grad school aspects of my life. Um, just because there is much more to me than just dating. Even though people seem to think that all I do is date, but now there's a lot more that I just don't show. Just because, like, it probably may not be the most interesting content to watch, so. Yeah, yeah. like, for example, the whole bro, bro sports dude aspect of me is just totally masked by this this internet-like topic I talk yeah. about, right? If it was mm-hmm. the other way around, if I was, like, the, the sports guy, they'd be like, huh, this dude doesn't do anything besides watch sports. Totally wrong totally just completely wrong it's just i don't think people get that when when they only see you through the lens of the 10 minute video that you put out because you for you you drop like a video a week so Mm -hmm. the lens is is much smaller i i talk a fair amount with the podcast Uh and whatnot and people see more of my daily life and stuff but still still there's a lot of things i leave out Mm -hmm. of course because we're all we're all multifaceted people and we choose to show people what we want to show um so yes they can't form their own perspective of us just based on what we show but there's just so much more to it that they, they just won't fully ever know us yeah and another thing that they they don't know about us which is segueing to the next topic would be they don't see how much time it takes to make these dang videos oh they don't get my that. god you don't really get that too much time way too much time i sacrifice my weekends just to get video up every week just um, well, personally, I could take upwards of like 10 to 12 hours to edit a video, which is it's a lot. like bonkers. It's bonkers. It's crazy. But I do it like I clearly I'm still doing it. Um, those videos tend to be the ones where there's someone else in the video, too. So I'm trying to make it more entertaining versus like a sit down giving advice type of video. So those take a long time. But so there's the editing portion of it. And that that I would say that's probably the largest chunk of time. Um, but even the filming part, you just have to outline everything. I personally outline all my videos just because I want to like make sure I hit X, Y, and Z point or just make sure I don't want to, I don't want to continuously like refilm things. I want to get it in one go or just two goes and instead of having to go over and over again, refilming, um, once I look back at my clips. So there's just so much that goes into making the video first. Um, and then editing is just, you can put as much editing in as you want. I personally want to put more just because I do want the end product to be the, my best work, you know? Yeah. Um, and then even after, like, making the video, then there comes the part where you're, like, dis- um, putting description box and, like, entering that stuff in on YouTube. There's just so much that comes with it. And I would say it is very, very time-consuming. It's not just shooting and just throwing a video online. I wish it was that easy, but it is not. It, yeah. If you want it to get the right amount of views, it really doesn't. I mean, to be perfectly blunt, the podcast takes the least amount of time, but it has so many different thoughts and it's a trendy thing for people to listen to your thoughts for like an hour, hour and a half, right? Mm-hmm. So this yeah. personally, but so you guys know, I mean, this takes, I go before I call the podcast guests and figure out some topics I'm thinking of for about 30 minutes. Then I call them for about 45 to an hour. It's an hour and a half. Then we record for an hour and a half. It's three hours almost. And then the editing takes about an hour and a half. And then the SEO takes another 30 minutes. Like even a podcast takes five hours. Um, yeah. Which is ridiculous. Uh, and then because at the start of it, when I cared less, the podcast would take like two hours. But then I, I was like, well, yeah. I want to make sure that everything's pretty pristine. I want to make sure the SEO mm-hmm. is good. The title's good. 
they get an Instagram clip because I make an Instagram clip for the podcast guests to put out wherever or not. I guess I shouldn't call it an Instagram clip. It's like a clip of the podcast that they can show on whatever they want, their YouTube, their Instagram, whatever, their socials. And mm-hmm. all that together takes five hours. And that's a that's a podcast, which is like the most basic thing to do, which I've seen on the what is it? The what is the platform? Buzzsprout is the name of Buzzsprout is the name of a, a podcast host. They have a YouTube channel and they're they're trying to show you how to make a podcast on this, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they just kind of failed to acknowledge like video podcasts take way more time. I don't know. They did like an intro video or like an introduction video to like how long does it take to make a podcast? And they're like, they're like uh, an hour and a half. I'm like, yeah. no way. Like, yeah. No how way. How short are your podcasts? Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah. you can just write down the time steps where you mess up and stuff. I'm like, do you bother to put timestamps? Because I have to listen to my own podcast over like two times to make sure that the podcast ends up having pretty good timestamps. Maybe it's not active work, but it's like reactive. I'll be like working on something else and then going, okay, I got to mm-hmm. type that in because I have to mm-hmm. upload it prior and then put the chapters in on YouTube and stuff and on the podcast on mm-hmm. Anchor. And I just don't realize it. I, I mean, my videos on Sunday take two hours of scripting, probably four and a half hours to record between B-roll and stuff because B-roll takes a ridiculous amount of time. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm in that neat, ah, man. And editing probably takes four and a half, five hours if you, let's say five to six if you include SEO and stuff. So that's like 12 hours for that video. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we do it. But we do yeah. it because it'll it'll work out eventually, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Or else, or else it's just a lot of... I mean, it's not wasted energy because I'm sure you're gaining new social abilities. I feel like my ability to communicate with people has gotten better since I've done the podcast. I've definitely become a lot more uh, cognizant of how many times I say ums and use filler words. So I've been working on that. That really helps yeah. you in the business world, though. Mm. Yep, exactly. So there are definitely perks that come with doing it. Um, it's not just solely for social proof. Um, and just like some of are personal skills that you gain from it. So I am grateful for it. Yeah, I noticed when I was at a family get together uh, with my with people that I don't have a crazy a lot in common with, but I see them a fair amount. I was able mm-hmm. to, you know, like uh, have a better conversation with with less to go on. Because I do this, because nice. I do this, like, and I've been doing yes. it more and more as time has gone on, right? And when, you know, we've mm-hmm. we've talked over the phone once before this and then messaged and that's it. Like, so I don't really, I, I mean, like, I know of you and stuff, but I don't, even, mm-hmm. like, even with people in your family, though, like, I'm sure you have certain members of your family that are, like, aunts or uncles you barely talk to, right? And it's yeah, like, yeah. I don't have that much to go on, but this, doing this and doing the excess, the excessive amount of episodes leading up until school to get a lot more backlog, I've been doing this for like three hours a week and I'm just like, man, my ability to just maneuver conversations is not as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, the, it's basically the art of networking. You're learning yeah. how to better network with YouTube. So yeah, um, definitely get your, I'm definitely getting a lot of better of making small talk out of nothing. Exactly. So. That's, hey, just... <laughs> The family parties, that's that's what YouTube's about. I'm just trying to make my family party experiences better. And parties yeah. in general. Yeah, parties are weird. Oh, though. parties. Oh, don't give me it. Yeah. Yeah, parties are weird. Yeah. That, that ain't it. Yeah, they're weird. They're yeah, weird. yeah. College parties are weird. I don't know. They're I the just, worst. College parties are the worst. I, I mean, okay. 
there are some if you have a good group of friends that are fine but when you go yeah. to ones where the group of people is not uh, you're not familiar with them whatsoever it is mm-hmm. awkward oh i know oh believe me i know yeah i, I can relate yeah they, they pay they paint this picture when you when you watch movies of college growing up mm-hmm. then you go and you're like what is this this is not what i signed up for yeah not whatsoever yeah. And then you get offered your drink when you're like 18 and you're like, uh, I'm not comfortable <laughs> or like, well, okay, that was me, but whatever, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I'm dating myself four years ago. I mean, that I mean, that's well. why people have their phones. I use my phone as a crutch. I realize in social situations, you just go, don't see anyone. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So you look like you're talking to someone. So you look, you know, you have to give that vibe off. So it doesn't look like you're just alone. I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Yep. That was a fun, random segue. Um, <laughs> Second to last thing I want to talk about would be, you know, we have had a both a pretty good spike on YouTube uh, during quarantine. Um, have mm-hmm. you felt have you felt that quarantine's been been able to help you with your YouTube growth and growth in general? I think it only helps in a sense that I have more time or more flexibility in time versus when I'm on campus, I'm basically just doing things related to campus stuff. But now because I do work from home. I had to control my own schedule and I'm not only as restricted, so I do have the time to do what I want. Um, I think that's really helped. Um, besides that, I can't think of anything else that, um, what, that quarantine really brought out, um, like what benefits quarantine really brought out from this besides the fact that I have more flexibility in time. I guess look, my series called Love and Quarantine on my channel that basically happened because of quarantine, like because I had to stop going to in-person dates, I had to do virtual dates. So I guess I can accredit Corona to my series on my channel. But besides that, I can't think of any other benefits. Yeah, with the beer thing, I think um, I think it got rid of a concept that I kind of made up the word for, which I I don't know if it's a word, but I made up the concept of buffer time. Um, buffer time is. You ever notice when you have something else to do, you always have this like weird 10, 15, five minute period where you're like, oh, I got to go. Uh-huh. So I got to go somewhere so I can't be working on something else. Mm-hmm. It killed yes. that. It killed that. Yes. I realized. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People don't, people yeah. don't realize that, but it absolutely killed the concept because we don't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually, I think, okay, definitely as a result of Corona, then I've worked a lot more than I have in the past. Just because instead of like using that time to get to a meeting or using that time to prep for something, you kind of just like you can roll into a meeting. You can roll into whatever priority or thing you have for that day. So I do find myself probably working more than I should be. Yeah, um, they yeah. they did a weird thing to us where now we're only needing to be in one spot. So travel time is done. Like even there's even like buffer time I've noticed when I'm going to places with people and they don't know exactly what time we're leaving. You know, like they say like mm-hmm. 4.15 we're leaving, right? For example. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. sitting and waiting to go leave by like 4.05. Yeah. If that happens yeah. like 10 times a day with buffer time, right? That's or yeah. even like six times, right? It's an hour a day and then seven mm-hmm. days, seven hours in the week. Like that yeah. actually really adds up. I noticed right when I got home, buffer time just got removed. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with all this random like stop and go stuff. Mm-hmm. But when real life but, hits, it's going to be. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think there is a benefit to that buffer time though. I feel like it really makes, it forces you to like take a break 
from whatever you're doing. So there, so I do wish that buffer time still existed just because otherwise you're, you can, I find myself sometimes just working without even realizing it. And like a couple hours will go by. I'm like, oh, I just haven't moved from my seat at all. Yeah, but, you're right. So. You, you, I'm saying from, from a productivity perspective, not a mental health, probably a mental health perspective. You're right. Totally. Cause I have never had this much uninterrupted time that have, that has not been interrupted. I, that was, that was bad English. I've never had this much time in a row be uninterrupted where I'm just doing things and then nothing's interrupting me out of the blue. Like I know what's going to happen at this point always. Like I'm not going to be randomly asked to do something. Maybe randomly asked to get on a call and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, that's part of yeah. That's probably it. I used to yeah. I used to hate that the aspect where people can really pull you aside and be like, hey, and ask you a question and tap on your shoulder, like when you're in the office or in the lab space for me. And I hate that because then I would t- take a stop. But then now I realize I miss that so much. Just having that little like five minute conversation, it kind of like is like my form of like uh, uh, a coffee, an expression shot, like just like a burst of like energy, like from just talking to someone and going back to your work. I'm missing that. And that is dress. I think that's somewhat impacting the work I'm doing just because I don't have that. But yeah. Yeah. They've, they've seen a weird social trend. I feel like the younger generation is going to have an issue with maybe uh social interaction. Uh, kids more in specific. I don't know if you have any younger cousins or siblings or anything, but like I have a six year old cousin, right? Mm-hmm. he's going to end up going back to school, I think. But it's one of those things where he's not going to get to interact normally anymore with kids, mm-hmm. which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings are they're We're all pretty close in age. They're all in college. Well, one is a recent grad and another one is like a junior in college. So we're okay. But um, yeah, I can't imagine being in the lower generation what they're dealing with and how yeah yeah because they're gonna have to bring some of these younger kids in person because online classes for a six-year-old just won't work uh but at the same (laughs) time like i don't think a lot of the schools are considering they should probably have the teachers wear not masks but uh shields or masks with um the clear opening where the mouth Mm -hmm. is because kids can't even you know they can't get that face-to-face interaction which is so important for them to understand how like I can tell if somebody is in a good mood or bad mood or like all those little <laughs> yeah. things. Like a six year old yeah. just what were we gonna just have like a year and a half of this and then a bunch of seven, eight year olds are gonna be like, What's a facial expression? Uh like I I I wouldn't say I'm socially inept, but I can't imagine like being me back and like now in twenty twenty and Yeah, and then the effects that, that like, would have on you by the time you're this age. Exactly. Yeah. Like right because right now I'm like I I'm kind of socially awkward. Um, but I'll probably be even more like it'd be like amplified if I was a child during now, like in the times now. Cause my yeah. big worry is this, you know, how we're very socially inept as a generation because of our phones and whatnot. Yes. Yes. You can't tell me that's not going to be more of an issue. The more technology gets advanced and the more yeah. technology becomes integrated with lives. These mm-hmm. kids are getting iPads by the time they're five. Like yeah. that's just happening. And I wasn't exposed to the concept of even a iPhone until I was a senior in high school. So, like, I was lucky there. No way. Yeah, I had an iPod Touch, though, as a freshman in high school. So, it was very similar. 
but I didn't okay. have, I at least always had when there was no Wi-Fi as breaks from being able to do stuff on the iPod Touch. Okay. I had my first phone in middle school because it was part of like a program that the school did. So like, if you, I think is if you read a certain amount of books, you got a cell phone and then they give you like amount of text and whatever. So it was a part of that program. So I got a cell phone back in middle school. And then, and then I think my first real phone outside of the program was like a razor. I had the classic like hot pink razor yeah. back in the day. Um, but yeah, I do, I do remember times without having like quick access to the internet and I don't know, those are simpler times, but we we're also young. So I guess we wouldn't really do much with that, like access anyways. Yeah. But I don't true. know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope, I hope they'll, they'll be in a better spot. Um, I think that would close out all the topics I had for this. Would you like to say anything else before I end out the show? Um, this was really fun. I, wait, I don't know how much time has passed just because I can't really tell from what we're doing. Hour and about, just my... hour and about 15-ish. Wow, an hour and 15, and we had a full-on conversation. Yep. Wow. And it was like, I would say there was probably not even that many awkward pauses. Yeah. Amazing. I, I would say it was it was pretty good. Um, Those awkward pauses i axed those probably by the the seventh episode because i figured out how to just finagle i was i was like i can tell you don't want to talk i'm gonna just because yeah that that would sound bad that would sound bad on 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 anyone who anyone who can't even see the physical version could you imagine that they'd just Mm -hmm. be like why is there silence yeah 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 Yeah. but no this was really fun i actually really enjoyed this i'm glad Um, and uh, and we talked more on topics beyond just dating which is amazing when people can yeah. Crazy. I know. Wow. Yeah. So this is fun. I'm glad you you reached out. Yeah, you reached out. And yeah. And I, I'm glad that I made the time for this. Yeah. I was really happy with this episode. And with that being said, guys, I will see you in the next one.